0: Welcome to the Gym Owners Business Podcast with Mel Tempest. The Gym Owners Business Podcast is proudly supported and sponsored by Thomas Plummer, MyZone, Creative Fitness Marketing, and All Smiles Creative. The Gym Owners Business Podcast is part of the Gym Owners Business Network, which is the industry's go to online hub designed to better service the needs of fitness business owners. The Gym Owners Business Network is currently finalising foundation memberships. So, if you're a fitness business that would like to gain valuable and extensive exposure to the Australian and global fitness industries, then head to gymownersbusinessnetwork.net to find out more.
1: Well, good morning, it's Mel Tempest from the Gym Owners Business Podcast and Network. And today I'm speaking to Simon Olive. Simon is a owner and director of a Anytime Fitness franchise, but he's also a fitness and leisure business broker. How are you today, Simon?
0: Very well, thank you, Mel.
1: Now, Simon, I'm very grateful for you uh, joining us on the Coffee Podcast today. And I'm very intrigued at how you became a business broker from being a Anytime Fitness franchise club owner. Can you tell me a little bit about that?
0: Yeah, for sure, Mel. I suppose it was a story of progression that I was one of the original uh, early franchisees, particularly down here in Melbourne, and opened up one club in uh, 2010. About two years later, I opened up a second club. And two years after that, I opened up my current club, Anytime Fitness in Q. And about uh, probably about two and a half years ago, I saw the opportunity to actually sell one of my clubs. And I did that and I used a business broker. And then about 12 months later, I sold a second club because I thought the time was about right. And I look back on the experience and I really felt that I did the heavy lifting when it came to the sale because whilst I used a broker and great fellow, really nice guy, he didn't really understand the business of fitness because he'd never really lived it or, or breathed it or walked it. Um, so I really saw that there was an opportunity there for someone who could get in there and help people sell their business but, and there's a difference between listing it and selling it because I understand the actual business back the front from building a club to marketing it to building it up, getting the membership base and all the ins and outs and the nuances of, of running a fitness business. I thought there's real opportunity to be able to value add. So I've spent the last 18 months adding to my qualifications to make sure I'm appropriately registered uh, to act as a business broker. And I'm now working nationally with benchmark business sales specifically in the fitness and uh, leisure and gym area because that's what I know.
1: And I find that a very exciting transition from a uh, club owner, even though you still own a Anytime Fitness franchise, but from club owner to being a business broker, especially in the industry that you're passionate about. Uh, you know, you, you'll meet and speak to people every, all day long and the common factor is that you're both passionate about the fitness industry and so the advice that you're giving them is in the now time advice and it's, and it's accurate. And what I wanted to do with our coffee podcast today was just ask you some very basic... questions. Um, Now, you and I both know, being club owners, that a lot of club owners don't think about selling their club, you know, probably until about, you know, the 14th, 15th, 16th year of being in business. And they certainly don't prepare themselves for that moment. In previous discussions that you and I've had, we've both agreed that the moment you open your club is the day that you also have to prepare for your exit strategy. So can you just tell me a little bit about... Let's assume somebody's opening a club now or they're in year five or year six of owning their, their business. What can they do to start to prepare themselves to sell their business later on down the track?
0: Well, it's funny you mention it, Mel, because I, I'm really not going to sit here and give a sermon on the mount. I'm basically going to tell people, don't do what I did when I sold my two clubs because it was really difficult. So learn from my mistakes. And when when you sell a business One of the key factors is making sure you have got all of the appropriate information at hand and ready to go because it makes you just look professional and watertight in what you're doing. And the more you can do that, the less risk a potential buyer will see and the more likely they are to give you a decent price for your business. So all of your things, it comes down to just having a really good filing system From the get-go, which means your franchise agreement, if there is one applicable to your club, you have that on hand and up to date in hard copy and soft copy. Your lease documentation for your property, same thing. All of your revenue statements, all of those sorts of things. You need to have all of that sort of stuff on hand, all of your leases around all of your equipment. And I mean all of your equipment. Remember those two cross trainers that you got 12 months down the track and they're on lease? And they're not listed on the original leasing document. You need to have it all ready to go in hard copy and soft copy. And it is so much easier to do that once you start. Just It just becomes part of the process rather than getting to the stage of trying to sell the business and then trying to go and source all of this information where you're really trying to unscramble the egg.
1: So, so simon okay somebody's listening to us right now and they are going, okay that's really good that you've said all of that simon but i still need to know where to start is the where to start do i draw up an excel you know that has uh wages uh, equipment leases rent on it is that what i do and i put everything in columns or do i totally rely on my accountant's end of year financial reports I mean, what are some of the basic things that somebody right now, even somebody that owns a small PT studio, what is something they can do now because they're thinking of selling in 18 months' time to start to prepare their foundation of selling?
0: Well, one thing I would suggest to people who are looking to sell in 18 months, uh, that cash component of your business, which I'm sure every gym owner banks religiously because they're good corporate citizens, do it, absolutely do it. And you're right, what uh, what I actually send out to prospective clients of mine is a very quick snapshot based in Excel with about eight different line items in it. Show me your revenue, show me your rent, show me your expenses, and it's their probably top 10 biggest expenses. So someone can put that into a spreadsheet and then assume that someone is going to point at all of those figures and say, prove it, and make sure you've got the documentation that can back up all of that revenue or all of those expenses.
1: Okay, so let's assume most things that when somebody's purchasing a club they look at is is rent, okay? Yep. Now, the majority of club owners um, are renting their space. So let's just give a hypothetical here. Let's say a club has a turnover of, uh, we'll go for a small club, 500000 Okay, sure. that's their turnover. What percentage as a buyer of that club should I be looking at to pay in rent? 10%, 15%, 20%. What is something that's on average? What would alert me to, hey, the rent for that building or that business is too high?
0: Um, you do have a look at uh, at all of this, and it does vary a little bit as well from your metro clubs out to your, um, your regional clubs because your regional clubs will have much lower rent than you will in a high-profile metro area, um, but sometimes then they're um, – you know, the revenues can reflect that. But as long as it's all relative to income and expenses, then you're looking fine. If you're looking in a metro region, you could possibly be looking at uh, your rent being around about 18 to 21% of your revenue is a, a reasonable sort of indication. If you're doing that, you're traveling along pretty well. And typically, your rent will be somewhere between 25% to 30% of your expenses.
1: All right, so that's the rent. What about marketing? Because you're a club owner, so you understand these questions that I'm asking you. What sort of percentage are we looking at for marketing? What sort of percentage are we looking at for staff, wages?
0: Well, okay, they are two, separate, um, two se- separate ones there and a really good question because I think if you're looking at your marketing, you probably want to be running at about 5 to 7% of your turnover in marketing. Now, whether that is above the line advertising, TV, radio, newspapers, that sort of thing, or whether it's sponsoring the local footy club and and netball club, and I cannot stress the importance of that enough, of getting feet on the ground in your local community so that people have a face to put to the name of the club. Absolutely critical if you're looking to um, drive in local traffic. The other one that you mentioned there, wages, wages, um, I find it an interesting one. It, it typically is one of the first expenses that owners try to minimize as much as possible when it comes to, you know, uh, improving the bottom line. I think it's a false economy because if you have a look at most decent clubs, wages should account for somewhere between 6 to 10% of, um, of your revenue, But as soon as you start cutting back on wages, that impacts the service standards that your customers and your members feel. And that will flow on to revenue. So it's one of the most critical ones. Find somewhere else to save some money before you start cutting back on staff. Because once you start cutting back on staff, you get yourself into a bit of a negative spiral where you've got fewer staff trying to do more. It negatively impacts the service experience that your members feel.
1: So, all right. So as a club owner, I say to you look, Simon, I'm thinking about selling my club in a couple of years and I want to cut back my expenses slightly. Where where would you tell me to cut back my expenses? Because you're telling me not to do it in the wages and we can't do it in the marketing because the marketing is where we get our results, which is our, our turnover and profit. So where is another area where I can drop my expenses?
0: Look, I think you can probably still tighten up on marketing. You just need to be a little bit smarter about the way you do it. Um, you know, and what you want to try and avoid to do as much as possible is actually with sponsorships is get out hard folding cash and you know and having to give away cash. But that doesn't mean you can't give away some services. You can't give away maybe you know three four months memberships to the local footy club that they can raffle off or auction off or something like that. Which in truth. Doesn't actually cost you that much out of pocket expenses. So as long as you do have a look and you know where your marketing expenses are going, you can be a little bit smarter and pull them in there. Then it's a matter of elbow grease. Uh, you know, a 600 meter club probably has or should have a cleaning bill of about two and a half thousand dollars a month. You know, if you want to run a good operation, you know what? You don't need to be Einstein to push a mop. You know, if you've got staff in there that maybe have some spare capacity because between clients coming in, clean the club yourself. You can find places where you can save money. And if you have a look at that, you think, oh, geez, that's not too much. Well, that's $30,000 a year. That If you can do your own cleaning, that's how you can impact the bottom line.
1: I mean, Simon, you've seen the size of our club when you came down the other week to have a look at it, and you know that um – That club's a pretty large club, and uh, we as a team, we we clean that club. We certainly don't get cleaners in to clean it because I prefer to put the money into other areas. And you're right, in the downtime, that's what the staff should be doing irrespective of their qualification or their status in the club. Everybody should be cleaning. Um, Let me ask you something else. So here I am. I'm a club owner. I'm thinking about selling. What is the biggest mistake that you see consistently when gym owners come to you and say, Simon, I want to sell my club?
0: Uh, two things. One, they're exp- and it's human nature. One is their expectations are too high uh, because they have grown this business up from its very small stages. It's their baby. It's their passion. Uh, but unfortunately, buyers don't necessarily look at it that way. And they've got annoying things called lawyers and accountants who are very dispassionate and just look at it cold, hard clinical numbers. Um so sometimes we do have to readjust people's expectations and I've got no problem saying to people my job if I'm going to be good as a business broker is to tell people what they need to hear and that may not be what they want to hear but if I'm not telling them what they need to hear I'm not doing my job properly The uh- other the other big mistake that they make and and this is and this is not isolated to gym owners is people wait too long to get out If we're going to make a mistake selling a business, let's make the mistake of getting out 12 months too early, not two months too late. So you don't want to go over the crest of the hill where all of a sudden there's a reason why you want to sell and it's impacted revenue and it's impacted membership numbers because a potential buyer will analyze your figures and work that out. You want to sell your business with some blue sky where a new owner can take the business.
1: Mm, I, I I agree with that, Simon. Let's take a step back and just discuss the figures again. You've said that eighteen to twenty one percent of turnover should be allocated to rent, five to seven uh, percent of the turnover to marketing, and six to ten percent of uh, the income should be allocated to wages. Um. <laughs> You know, there, there's some fairly low numbers there. Do you think that club owners are actually spending a lot more on wages and a lot more on marketing and this is what's turning off prospective buyers? Uh, well, I can
0: tell you I'm, I haven't got too much to hide. I'm sitting here looking at a spreadsheet of how I run my club and, uh, and those figures reflect exactly uh, what we're doing here. Um, that is one thing that prospective buyers will have a look at the figures. If there is an owner working in the club and not paying himself a wage, a smart accountant will pick up on that. And it's not too hard to work out because all, all you have to do is have a look at the hours that the club is opened and work out how many man hours are required, multiply it by the hourly wage. And if those figures don't correlate and don't match up, again, a red flag of risk is going to go up. And that's not healthy uh, in the effort of trying to sell the business.
1: All right. So, can I go into another um, area of conversation? We've discussed rent. to me to me once you get into a building as a club owner you should really be thinking about purchasing a building and setting it up as superannuation um that's what we've done uh in our club and i strongly encourage club owners to do this is this something that you think is a good idea yourself
0: I need to be careful here because this is uh, going into the era of financial planning, which I am not qualified to talk. And I this.
1: and I understand that. But what my point is, let's assume that I'm going to sell my business in 12 to 18 months' time, and I'm sure people are wondering why you were down in my club. But now that I now that I own my building, I now become the landlord. Yep. So I would assume, or I would think, that selling my business while it's on the high and getting out early. It's attractive for me to then become the landlord. So I understand and appreciate that you're not a financial planner. But do you think that this is something that perhaps when people are opening a business that they should consider within a certain time span looking at buying the property?
0: I certainly wouldn't rule it out. It gives you, uh, it does give you a lot more to either progress forward with or to fall back with. It gives you uh, a lot more control over uh, over the big picture. Um, I suppose the downside is uh, if there's a problem with the building, there's no one to blame but yourself. But uh, yeah. what, what I definitely uh, you know, advise people in that situation is go and have a chat to your accountant. Um, I suppose on that, if I was going to having just discussed expenses, if there's one expense or two expenses, I would never query about or try and go and get the cheapest person available. Go and get the best accountant and go and get the best lawyer because they are the two of the most critical people you can possibly have. Uh, and be prepared to pay for them they are the absolute quarterbacks of your business Um, so you go and have a chat to your accountant go and have a chat to your lawyer but i think making that sort of investment isn't necessarily the silliest thing you could do
1: and so simon tell me with the amount of i mean i jump on google and i search health clubs for sale um what sort of, like, time span are we looking at? So, you know, Joe comes in and gives him your health club and he's got all of his figures right. His Excel is looking really healthy. What's the sort of time span that somebody, you know, like a club owner can look at at getting rid of their club?
0: Um, there's, without sounding like a politician and, and diverting, there's four basic things you need to have in place to be able to sell a business and sell it well. You have to have a realistic price out in the market you need to have an appropriate marketing strategy placed around that. Three, you need to have all of the relevant information in the appropriate format ready to rumble. And then four, you need a sales agent who is prepared to wear out some shoe leather to get out there and actually push it. If you've got all four of those things right, there is no reason you shouldn't look to be selling a business within three to four months.
1: All right. So can you explain to our listeners today? We've discussed this profit. What what is what is it? Multiple two, three, four, in it's, terms of being able to sell.
0: Look, it is, and again, I hate to sound like a politician here. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, it isn't quite as easy to say. No, no dramas. Yeah, we'll get you a three time multiple. It's really going to vary club by club by club across their entire uh, marketplace that they're working in, based on competition, based on demographics of the area based on the club itself, the age, uh, the equipment in it. So it's, it's always going to vary. Um, and I think we've probably seen in the last 12 to 18 months a cooling in the market of what multiple may be expected. Where sort of mid to low threes may have been expected 18 months to two years ago with uh, things like the Royal Commission into banking, the availability of money to potential buyers has dried up somewhat, which has flown on to – Probably just a, a, a cooling of the of what the expectation should be down from that a little bit, but again, it is on a case by case basis.
1: So, you are you saying that um, buyers are are not as positive as what they were 12 months ago in terms of buying fitness clubs? Because let's um, be honest, I mean the you know, the media portrays the fitness industry is the fastest growing industry there is globally. So if that, if that's the case, why would we be slowing down based on what you've just said?
0: Look, the fitness industry is, is still travelling well and I'm not, uh, I'm not suggesting at all that, you know, it's a run for the um, life raft type scenario. Um, Bill Moore, the chief executive of Fitness Australia, has been on reference to saying, you know, the market isn't saturated, there is still growth. But there is going to be a slowing of that growth. Um, so, look, I think the the, the industry is going well. Uh, there's obviously been a large shift over the last five or six or seven years, and you know I've been a part of that, being part of the Anytime Fitness franchise, uh, with the 24/7 gyms coming in and being a major disruptor to the uh, to the industry away from having fewer small big box type gyms to a lot more smaller convenience based out in the suburbs smaller clubs.
1: Mm, I I personally disagree with um bill on that i think that there is a saturation in the marketplace and i think that's because we're a self-regulated uh industry and people are, are pretty much able to go off and do a course open up a business and do as they please but that that is another um podcast so well, i <laughs> not
0: surprised mel
1: <laughs> oh look 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 anyway let's move on from that so tell me um what give me three tips that somebody that's contemplating on selling their fitness business now, what are three tips, irrespective of the size of their business, whether it's a large you know, commercial club, say 1,800 to 2,000 square meters, right down to a young person who's opened up a PT studio, he's had it opened up for 18 months, he's realized this is too difficult. What are three tips to help them sell their business?
0: Okay, the first one is uh, clean up your books. Uh, telling someone that there's a whole heap of cash uh, available and they can get it. If you can't demonstrate that, they're not interested. It didn't exist. So it means every cent must be banked. um, Like I said, the accountants and the bankers are really good at sniffing out dodginess. And uh, and that's one of the things with me being in the industry as well as a business broker, I will not present um, figures with any dodginess in it because it's uh, self-defeating other than being unethical. The other thing I would suggest to business owners, and this again, this isn't fitness industry specific, but you should probably be spending 95% of your time with your head down inside the four walls of your business, making sure it is running as well as it possibly can, that the place is spotlessly clean, that there's a great service experience, there's a great culture in your gym and all those sorts of things but still spend 5% of your time looking up outside the four walls of your business to have a look at what the market and what the environment outside your club is doing because that can dictate when you might sell or alternatively if you, when you don't sell. And I've got two really nice little case studies that I've come across here. We had one club that was sold where the club was absolutely humming along, had about 1,300 members just, and making really good money. There was a university down the road providing a never-ending stream of prospects and the owner sold it. And they said to him, why did you sell it? And he said, well, I was absolutely kicking goals. We were flying along. We were making really good money, but I was surrounded by empty commercial real estate. And the the situation could change overnight. So he sold it, got a great result. And now 18 months after the sale, there's two other 24-7 clubs within 100 meters of his club. So you look at that and you go, what a brilliant time to sell. He could have held on, for that extra 12 months and waited until those clubs opened and then sold. But a new owner would have seen that coming. He wouldn't have got the same price. Another example in the other um, way is a guy who decided not to sell because he was involved in the local sporting club and he was thinking of of selling his uh, his gym. And because he was involved in the local sporting club, he had to deal with the local council. And the local council said to him something along the lines of, oh, when they um, rebuild the local YMCA – And he was like, I beg your pardon, what's that? He said, oh, we're going to rebuild it. We're going to put a bulldozer through it and it's going to be shut for two years. So that was 800 800 metres up the road from his club. They were going to shut the local YMCA for two years and tip 3,000 gym members out in the street. All of a sudden, he's redefined his goals. He said, I'm not selling my club, not for at least two and a half or three years until he's got those figures on his books. So that's probably one of the the biggest pieces of advice I can give to people is whilst you need to look after your business and your club and drive it as best you possibly can, make sure you spend 5% of your time being aware of what is going on in the surrounding market and in the surrounding community that basically supports your fitness club.
1: That's some fantastic advice there, there, Simon. And I certainly do agree with focus on your business but know what others are doing. I do have one more question, if you don't mind, before we close our podcast today. And um, when somebody's looking at purchasing a club and they're obviously looking at the figures, one of the things that they do look at is long-term staff and their entitlements. Now, can you just explain to our listeners about people that have been uh, working for, say, a club owner for 10 years and the long service leave entitlement is coming up. Will a buyer look at that?
0: Um, Yeah, and it's one of those things where you don't try to hide it. So let's say, you know, for argument's sake, I'm selling a business. You've been working for me for so long and I owe you $20 in long service leave. I have to pay that out. So whether, you know, I, I give the $20 to the new buyer and they then take on those um, long service entitlements or we reduce the sale price to accommodate that as well. It's one way or the other. It's, it just needs to be recognised. It's, it's one of a few different adjustments you will make at settlement. Um, you know, Another one is in full memberships. So if I've got someone who, and let's get the arithmetic easy, uh, has paid $364 for a, uh, a 12-month membership, and we're six months through it, well, I've collected $365. But in truth, only half of that is mine because the other half of the membership still needs to be provided by the new owner. So you make those adjustments as well. And I suppose they're the sort of things where I can add some value. Being in industry, I understand what it's all about and how to work out those adjustments.
1: And also making sure that your superannuation um, is up to date and all of your ATO, of course.
0: Oh well, if there's one, if there's one lesson I could pass along that my accountants drilled into me from the very, very get go, to say Simon, if there is one bill, you are going to be late paying, for the love of God, do not make it your superannuation payment. There is no quicker way to uh, get the Australian taxation officers' uh, attention than don't pay your super. Yeah, uh,
1: I agree with I agree with that.
0: Simon. Must 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 pay your super.
1: This has been a fantastic conversation and I do hope that some of our listeners today have gotten a lot of uh, tools out of it should they be thinking of selling their business in the near future. What I'm going to do with Simon's in, uh, information is I'm going to drop it into the bottom of our, our podcast today. So you'll have Simon's email address and contact details. Um, as I said at the start, Simon is a fitness and leisure leisure business broker for benchmark business sales. He's also a current director owner at uh, Anytime Fitness. So he is a club owner owner who understands the the fitness business industry. And I think that that's extremely important when we're making such big decisions in our business career. Simon, uh, what's your mobile number? Should anybody wish to give you a call?
0: Yeah, sure Mel, it's 0459023750.
1: All right. Thank you very much, Simon, for your time today. As I said, I'll be dropping Simon's details into the bottom of our podcast and we'll chat soon. Thank you, Simon.
0: Absolutely. Pleasure, Mel. Thanks for having me.